Welcome to all of you, wherever you may be joining us this morning. Uh, Well, as you guys are all well aware, we live in these uncertain and strange times where we are constantly having to adapt and to overcome whatever this season may throw at us, and that's what we're having to do this week. I found out a couple days ago that I was around somebody last week who has since tested positive, and even though we had followed all the guidelines and even though I haven't had any symptoms, out of an overabundance of caution, we decided the wisest course of action for us to do was to pre-record this message. And we're thankful for the technology that allows us to do this as we wrap up this great series that we've been in called Peaceful People. Now, the last few weeks we've been talking about experiencing more and more of God's peace in our lives. Peace is actually mentioned 353 times in scripture. I think that paints a very compelling picture for us of how foundational it's meant to be in our faith. We sing about it. It's written in Christmas cards. We sing about it in Christmas carols. And yet very few people actually experience peace in their lives. It seems like conflicts and disagreements and broken relationships and internal anxieties are really what drive and what characterize a lot of people's experiences in life. But it's not God's will that we walk around feeling uptight and pressured and stressed out all the time. Listen to what it is that Jesus offers us. In John 14, he says, I'm leaving with you a gift a peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. Jesus tells us that his peace is a gift from God. And he says that this kind of peace is a peace of mind, that it's a peace of heart, that it's internalized, that it's a personal peace. And yet, if I'm honest, I don't know that I always feel that kind of peace in my life. And I think the reason is, is that because most of the time when we think about personal peace, we think about it externally, that if, if I can control the people that I'm around, if I can control the noise level and the stress level and the circumstances perfectly, then I will be at peace. Peace is a kayak on a lake with a fishing pole in your hand. Peace is a hot tub set at the perfect temperature. Peace is, is Thanksgiving dinner with only the right family members present. But if we're waiting for perfection, we'll never experience peace. We live in a broken world and there will always be things that rob us of our peace. Listen to what Jesus says in John 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Meaning that that you're going to to eat healthy. You're going to spend a little extra money and buy that lean meat or, or buy all the organic stuff or bake your own kale chips and you're going to make all the right decisions and you're still going to get sick. You're going to take care of your car and it's going to still break down and you're still going to have to wrestle with, how am I going to pay for this? You're going to go through seasons like this one of disappointment and setbacks for reasons that you don't understand and for reasons that you can't control. Vacations that have had to been canceled and sports seasons that have had to been postponed. There's going to be drama and there's going to be issues as we walk through this life. But Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome this world. The the kind of peace that God wants to give us is not dependent on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. This kind of internal peace can be there in the midst of hardship and problems and conflict and disappointments and pressures and deadlines. God's peace is not determined by your situation, but rather by his presence in your situation. So how do we experience more of that? How do we walk through our real lives, our daily lives, and experience more of God's peace in our lives? So I want to give us four ways to experiencing this kind of internal, personal peace in our lives as we walk through this life of ours. The first is that we have to make peace with God. 
We talked about this a little bit in the first week, but I want to make sure that we understand that there is no way for us to experience the peace of God unless we have peace with God. We were created. Scripture tells us very clearly that we were created to live in harmony with this good and holy God. But the fact is that we all make mistakes. We, we can't live up to our own standards, much less God's standards. God created us to do good, but we have chosen to do wrong. And what that has done is it has put us at odds between a good and holy God. We are separated from him. There's a gap between his holiness and our wrong actions. But scripture tells us that God took the initiative to make peace with us. He is the one who initiated this. Look what he says in Colossians 1. He says, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus' death covered that gap that we created. And when we receive through faith God's forgiveness, it, it wipes the slate clean. It removes the guilt that we are justified in God's sight, that he doesn't see all of the past mistakes and the past behavior, that we are forgiven in full. So the first step and the crucial step for us to experience in God's peace in our lives begins with receiving God's forgiveness and entering into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And then we can begin to receive this gift of personal peace in our lives. The second thing that we need to do is that we need to establish a rhythm of rest. Now that may seem a little bit strange at first to think about having to, to focus in on our physical rest, but our physical health and our spiritual health are closely connected. Um, the default setting in our culture and in our lives, and I'm guilty of this myself, is to cram our schedules as full as we can, to multitask, to, to stretch ourselves out, to stretch ourselves thin. Here's what I've learned in my life, that when my schedule gets filled up with busyness, my heart and my spirit gets full of anxiety and worry and frustration. Isn't it true? I think we've experienced this in our lives. That the busyness kills the heart. It saps the, the joy and the peace in our lives. It, it distracts us away from what matters the most. We find that we don't have the time to pursue relationships and, and friendships. We don't have time for people. And busyness erodes our capacity to, to enjoy life, to, to soak in the moments with our families, to, to worship fully to, and to reflect on what matters most. But life is meant to be different than that. And there is a choice that we can make each week that, that gets the rest that our bodies need and it leads to the peace that we want in our souls. And it's the decision to take a Sabbath rest each week. God in his wisdom and his love for us, he, he has given us the antidote, the, the cure for this nonstop hurry that we find ourselves in all the time through this command to, to observe the Sabbath. And, and this, is one of, this is one of the big 10. This is part of the 10 commandments. And the 10 commandments are not overly complicated. And they're actually pretty straightforward. And yet this is one that we often wanna take a slide on. But God has so much at play in us observing this Sabbath rest. Look at what he says in Ezekiel 20. He says, and I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I am the Lord who had set them apart to be holy, the, the God who created us, 
the, the God who designed this life that we live, that knows how it's meant to be lived, says the best way to treat these bodies of ours is to take a day off each week. But notice that it, it's not just physical that he has in mind, that, that he says that there is something spiritual as well. That, that part of his intention of giving this Sabbath rest is for us to be reminded of who he is and who we are. That he is the Lord and that he has set us apart to be holy. He has plans and purposes for our lives. For some of you, creating this day of rest will be one of the hardest things that you will ever do. Because you're almost hardwired to, to go after it all the time. To be on the go, to be active, to be busy. But this Sabbath rest is how we get peace in our lives. And when we blow past the speed bump that the Sabbath day is meant to provide for us... What we end up doing is we push our bodies beyond the limits that God designed for them. And without the rest our bodies need, our hearts won't have peace. And we get restless. And when we get restless, we find ourselves doing really dumb things. And it's all because we didn't take the time and we lost the perspective of who God is and who we are in him. This is hard for a lot of us to do because it requires a level of humility and it requires a level of faith for us to observe this Sabbath in our lives. But when we decide to take a break from, from furthering our goals or, or these plans that we have in our lives for one day each week, what we're doing is we're saying to God, God, I trust you. I, I trust you to maintain control over my life as I spend this day focusing in on you. And I, and I trust you to provide for me and to provide for my family seven days a week, even though I'm only going to work six days. And by faith, today I'm going to rest. I'm going to find some rest for my body and for my soul, and I'm going to trust you with it. The, the Sabbath is meant to be a time where we slow down and we look up. I think that what has happened in our culture is that we have elevated the, the value of ambition and accomplishment. And what's happened is it's diminished our awe and our wonder of what this life is meant to be. That the Sabbath is meant to slow us down so that we can savor in the blessings that God has put in our lives. Taking in a sunset, going for a slow walk in the neighborhood with your spouse or your kids, enjoying a long conversation with a neighbor. And it's also a time to reflect and to learn from our days, to look back on our days and ask the questions like, is my life actually heading in the direction that God has called me to? How's my heart these days? How's my marriage, really? How's my relationship with my kids? Is my life having the kind of impact on my friends and my coworkers and my neighbors like it's supposed to? Or, or are there some changes that need to take place? The Sabbath allows us to slow down and observe the direction of our lives. I think we far underestimate the damage that our hectic pace of life does to our souls. And God in his love and in his mercy gave us this gift of the Sabbath to restore us one day a week. Not much in the grand scheme of things. One day to push back against the hurry that crowds our souls so much. One day a week to celebrate with God and to celebrate with others, remembering who he is, remembering what it is that he has called us to, who we are in him and what really matters in this life. One day that if we will do it, 
week after week, God will use to refresh our souls and give us that peace that we want. For some of you this morning, that's the point that you needed to hear the most, that you need to slow down and observe this rest for your body so that you can experience God's peace in your life. The third key to experiencing God's peace in our life is that we need to run to God's presence. Sometimes we feel stress and pressure in our lives because we feel like we're facing everything on our own, that, that we have to fight these battles only on our own and we forget that God is with us. And, and we start freaking out and we start thinking these worst case scenarios instead of running into his presence, instead of inviting him into the troubles, the worries, the fears that we have. There was a time in the life of Jesus when he and his disciples had finished a long day of ministry and teaching, and they set off across the Sea of Galilee uh, to, to get away from the crowds and, and to set up shop for the next day. And immediately once they get into the boat, Jesus is fast asleep, and they get about halfway across the lake, and there's this storm that whips up. And it's a vicious storm, and, and the, the waves are pounding against this small ship, and Jesus is still fast asleep, taking this nap as they experience this storm. And the disciples were afraid that they were about to go under. So they wake up Jesus and they say, you've got to do something. And so he does. This is what Mark records for us in Mark 4. He says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Every miracle that Jesus performed, he did so to try to teach us something about who he is, about what his character is like. And here he is, this miracle of his is teaching us about what he wants to do in our hearts, that, that he can stand up in the midst of the storms of our life and calm the storms that we experience in our hearts and, and give us calm. And it doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to change the situation. It doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to change the circumstance. But what he's saying is that he can still give you peace even in the midst of that storm. Some of you right now are, are experiencing walking through unimaginable storms in your life. And I can tell you from my own experience, and I can tell you from the promises of Scripture that when we turn to his presence, when we run into God's presence, that, that he can flood our hearts with a kind of peace that surpasses understanding, that doesn't make sense to the outside world, that he can bring peace and he can bring calm even when life is going out of control. Maybe you're dealing with a, with a health issue or, or there's a financial pressure or financial strain in your, in your life or maybe there's a relationship that's crumbling apart and right now you are battling the storm of disappointment and you can't see a way out of it. And it's not necessarily that the hurt will go away. It's not necessarily that, that the relationship will be restored but if you remain close to the presence of God, you will find a calm in your heart. Maybe for you, the, the storm that you're facing is one of your own doing. You're looking at, at a failure of some kind in your life or, or a series of bad decisions that you have made on your own and, and now you're, you're kicking yourself and you're wrestling with these thoughts of, of self-condemnation and guilt and shame because you let others down. He, he can calm that storm as well. It, or maybe you've been on the receiving end of being a victim of somebody else's behavior, that you've been cheated or mistreated in some way. And, and every time you think of the person who has hurt you, you have this taste of bitterness and, and anger and unforgiveness, and it's right there in the back of your throat. 
And Jesus says that I will enter into that and I will give you calm and I will give you peace. But it's a matter of us coming into his presence. It's a matter of us turning away from just trying to fix it on our own and running to his presence and recognizing and going to him and saying, Jesus, will you help me with this? I, I trust you with this. Will you show up in this? Jesus says to all of us that are in a storm in Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He's reminding us that I'm here. I've never gone anywhere. I'm present with you. Come to me. Bring to me those worries, those fears, those what ifs that are swirling around in your mind and your heart, and I will take those, and I will give you a rest for your souls. So the first thing we do is we make peace with God. The second thing we do is that we need to create this rhythm of rest in our lives. The third thing we need to do is to run into his presence when we have these concerns or, or when life starts swirling out of controls. And then lastly, we need to focus our thoughts on Jesus. I think one of the clearest promises of peace is actually found in Isaiah. Isaiah 26 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love that promise of, of a perfect peace, a, a complete peace. And he says that the offer of perfect peace comes to those whose thoughts are fixed on him, those that are, are steadfast, those that are focused, those that are unflinching, those whose leaning in life is already in the direction of God and his ways. And that if we do that, that he will give us peace even when life is spinning out of control. Scripture tells us that our, our daily experience of peace really does come down to what it is that we focus our thoughts on. And this takes practice. This takes an intentional effort on our part. There are all kinds of thoughts that, that pop into our head throughout the day, some of which we can't really do much about. You, you can't control what the person said and, and how your mind reacts to that. You, you can't control what you read uh, on the headlines or, or the social media posts and what that does within you. But you can control what it is that you dwell on the most, what, what it is that you allow to sit there in your mind, to marinate on. And I think this is crucial for us to understand that, that what we dwell on the most eventually will determine the condition of our hearts. And if we want to experience the peace of God in our lives, then we need to find the ways to discipline ourselves, to spend more of our time and more of our thoughts focusing in on God and his word than what's going on in the world around us. The biblical word for that is to meditate. Uh, it's this idea that, that we take God's word in and then we let it linger and we ponder on it throughout the day and we reflect on it throughout the day. And we rehearse it in our minds and see how it applies to our lives over and over again throughout the day. You see, when life gets hard, our minds get flooded with all kinds of questions and doubts and we need to have a true north we need to have a true north if we're going to have a bearing on how it is that we navigate through the disappointing times of life. And part of what it means to fix our thoughts on Jesus actually takes place before 
the hard times and the storms of life enter in, that there's some prep work that needs to be done, that we need to spend some time beforehand learning who he is, learning what his character is like, learning what is, that, that his commands actually lead to the life that we want, so that when life goes sideways, the work really becomes about reminding ourselves of what we already know to be true, that God is good, that he is a loving God, that he knows about my problems, that he is in control, that he's not caught off guard by this, that he's not surprised by what you're going through, and that he'll use this good, use this for good in some way. And here's what happens, is as we begin to acknowledge and to affirm and to remind our hearts about what we know is true about God, it brings peace into our lives. It brings peace into our hearts and it gives direction to our steps. Listen to how Paul says this in Colossians chapter three. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. That phrase right there, rule in your hearts, it actually is an, is an athletic term and it means to referee or to umpire. Even if you're really not all that familiar with baseball, you, you know that the umpire is the one that has the final say. Even if everyone in the stands thinks that that pitch was a strike, if the umpire says it's a ball, then it's a ball. And Paul is saying that the peace of Christ, that is what should umpire, that is what should control, that is what should judge the direction and the decisions in our lives. I don't know about you, but, but if I'm going through a tough time or if I have a tough decision to make and I wake up in the middle of the night kind of wrestling with it, my first thought is not always the peace of Christ. A lot of times my first thought is to worry about the situation, to, to try to contemplate how I can solve this thing or, or maybe if it's a, a relational struggle that, that I might be going through, my mind starts down these paths of, of having these imaginary conversations with them and it does no good at all. And in fact, all it really does is add to this unsettledness in my heart and this fear or the anger or the worry. It just exaggerates all of that. So Paul is asking this question. When, when life throws you a curveball, what or who is going to be your umpire? What, what is it that's going to be your focus in helping you decide the next step that you need to take? Is fear going to rule your decision? It, is it the, the opinions of your friends that, that are going to rule your decision? Is it your feelings of insecurity that are going to rule your decision? Or can you focus in on Jesus and say, Jesus, I know that you are with me and I know that you're going to walk with me through this and that you have some next steps of faith that you want me to take during this period of time. Who's going to umpire your soul as you walk through uncertain times and crazy times and hard times? If we can learn to discipline our minds, to, to focus in on Jesus, on who he is and his character, that's when the peace of Christ comes into our lives, even in the midst of those hardships. Uh, listen, I, I, this season that, that we're in, we, we are all under an immense amount of pressure in our worlds. There's so much stress, so much uncertainty, so many difficulties that, that are swirling around us and within us. And I think that the outside world is taking note 
and they're observing and watching how it is that Christ followers are handling all this. How it is that we are conducting ourselves during these uncertain times. People are looking for a calming presence in the midst of what this world is going through. And we are called to be that. And when this season is over, and there will be an end to it, that there will be a story that we will be able to tell. May we be able to look back on 2020 and say, yeah, it was hard. But, but I didn't let the uncertainty and the stress and the chaos of life create chaos in my heart. I, I kept my eyes focused on the giver of peace. And I walked through that season with, with a heart that was full of and was guarded by and governed by the peace of Christ. I, I do pray that that will be our story to tell in the years to come. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the reminder again that, that you are the author and the giver of peace, that you have made a way for us to experience peace with you and experience um, life and direction as a result of a relationship with you through Christ. Help us to see with fresh eyes how it is that we can fight back against this hurried nature and the busyness of life and experience not only rest for our bodies, but also peace in our hearts as we observe a day where we hit the pause button and we just experience more of you and we evaluate our lives and we savor the beauty of the life that you have given us. And God, help us to, not to run to our own strengths, but to run into your presence when these hard times hit us. And above all, God, help us to control our thoughts, to focus our minds and our thoughts and our hearts on who you are. Remind us of who you are and give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.